Hello and welcome to episode 51 of the Two Indie Authors podcast with me, Robert Enright. And me, David B. Lines. On today's show, Rob and I will be discussing blog tours. We will then be answering a mailbag question on the pros and cons of attending book fairs. And that's all before Alice G. May joins us at the tail end of the show to face our seven questions. We shall begin, though, as we always do, Rob, with the week that was. So how have the last seven days been for you, my friend? Uh, they've been well. Before I go into it, might just have a quick caveat for our listeners. We mentioned on previous episodes that you and I have holidays coming up. So when this episode comes out, you and I will both be on separate holidays. Let's just put a line there. People yep. think we're holidaying together. Um, <laughs> so we're actually recording this on the 28th of September. So my week currently has been really good. I passed the 80,000 word mark on the Jack Townsend book. Nice. I just wrote the chapter where the killer was revealed and kind of the conclusion of that. And now I've just got three or four chapters of just tying up the story, like narrative wise, like little things that have happened throughout the book. They all get tied up neatly in a little bow, as you would expect at the end of any, right. I don't know, detective story or TV series. So, um, yeah, yeah. Um, I should have that done before I go off on my holiday, which then means when I do go off on my holiday, I am completely switched off. I have no, um, no book stuff or anything like that with me. So, that's pretty much been the focus of my uh, my last seven days, really, is I had that right. clear deadline and I just went at it um, as hard as I could. Uh, how about you, David? How have your last seven days been? Yeah, similar to you, I'm, you know, gearing up for a holiday, so trying to get as much done or, or, or clear the decks as much as I can so that there's no nothing hanging over me during the holiday. Um, but I, I won't be finished in a novella by then, but it, it's, where am I? I'm a, yeah, I'm about three quarters of the way through one. And um, sure. that's going well. I've had more meetings in London this week about the screenplay. That, that, that's going really well. I think an, an awful lot of uh, influential people are getting quite excited about that, but it's still uh, no. The included. No, so Yes, yes, absolutely. There's no such thing as a, as a certainty, if you know what I mean, in, in, in right. television. It's either green light or red light. So there's nothing, no amber, there's nothing in between. You need to get great news or shit news. So uh -huh. we'll see. I will know, I think, probably towards the end of the year, but it, it's all looking good in that regard. What else am I doing? Oh, I've been editing a, a novel. Yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I'm editing a novel for another indie author. That um, I was hoping that I would have done before the end of September. I think I might creep into a little bit of October on that one. I know this episode sort of goes out in, into the second week of October, but um, as Rob said, we're recording this one a little bit ahead. But yeah, another productive week for me. I've 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 been productive for the past six weeks or so. So it's it's all gone good in in the in the world of of David B lines. 
Okay, Rob, um, it's blog tours. That's what we're going to talk about as our main talking point uh, on today's show. Now, for those who don't know what a blog tour is, it pretty much kind of says it in, in the title. So it's, although you're not really traveling anywhere, are you? So tour is probably a little <laughs> bit of a hyperbolic uh, phrase there. But so this is a round of reviews that your book uh, will go on uh, prior to release into those mm. who have book review blogs. So your publicist or who you will hire, and we'll go into that in detail now over the next 20 minutes or so, will send your book off, like an e-copy of your book to maybe six or eight or 10 or 12 uh, bloggers mm. who will then review your book. And the hope, I guess, of this is that by the time your book launches on Amazon on a certain date, there may already be a half dozen reviews or so already up there. And then you've got some pull quotes. And I mean, we'll go into the pros and cons of what blog tours can offer us as independent authors. But um, well, I was just talking to Rob off air there. I, I don't have huge experience of blog tours, but I'm going to share my experiences on these yeah. as, as we get into this main talking point. And um, so I have done a couple of blog tours. Uh, I will go into my experiences there now, but but I want to ask you first, Rob, have you ever done blog tours? I have. Um, I, but I don't think I did them correctly. So okay. um, we can only ever talk on this podcast to what we've experienced. Um, exactly. So yeah. they, you know, cards on the table, blog tours have never really been a big weapon in like my marketing arsenal they're not part of my launch strategy but um as i've mentioned before for my jack townsend book that's coming out beginning in november my first mm-hmm. in my new detective series i have now booked in a blog tour and there's reasons to it and it Great. does link into the question you just asked which was have i done them before because i did but i did them about eight and then maybe six years ago and right. now bear in mind I've been doing the Sam Pope stuff for about five years now. So we're we're predating when I started taking this seriously. Yeah. Um, so so I did a blog tour when I released my first book, One by One, and I approached bloggers basically just saying, can you review this before it goes out? And I think I got about five or six uh, book bloggers to, oh, cool. to do that. And that built a small connection with them. And then I did it again with my Bermuda Jones book. Um, but I made the big fatal error of, I don't think... So I went to crime book bloggers who predominantly probably review police procedural books or psychological crime thriller, type, you know, like a Betsy Blake type book. They would do that yeah. sort of book. Um, or like Gone Girl or something like that. Yeah, Giving them like yeah. an urban fantasy thriller probably wasn't um the the best thing they all gave it good reviews yeah and, you know they they all shared it around but as good as it is getting those reviews what you kind of you know the whole point of the blog tour is you want that person's following and all these bloggers have followers and they have people who read their blogs and probably get a lot of their recommendations of books from their bloggers i don't think it was really for their audience so my experience of it was probably due to the errors I made in not building the correct blog tour. So that's yeah. why it never fell into 
my sort of cyclical pattern of launching books because I've just found so much success with paid for marketing that I can control. Yes, um, it but makes sense. My, my you... ex- yeah, I'm I'm a bit further along the the path now as well that you know. Yeah, my covers look better and all this. So probably what I was sharing with them eight years ago looked amateur. It was amateur. So that's why I'm quite keen to look at it again and why I think this is a good discussion point because I do know some of the guests we've had on the show and our seven questions absolutely live by blog tours. So yeah. um, I'm, keen, I'm keen to know what your experiences are with them because I feel like your books would always sort of have a better experience in a blog tour than say me forcing prime readers to read about monsters and secret organizations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is a good point. It's a good tip for those listening. You, you really sort of have to land on bloggers, if, you, if you're interested in this route, who are fans of, of the specific genre. And Rob and I have often mm-hmm. talked about specific genre, you know, when it comes to categories, getting your categories right or knowing your audience and stuff like that. So yeah, if you are organizing a blog tour, and we'll talk to Rob now in a few minutes about how he has organized his for his new Jack Townsend book. But um, yeah, make sure you're getting that genre right and the, and the specific blogger right. So I, like you, Rob, started out by getting a publishing deal when I wrote my first book. And I think this is about 2017. And as they were talking me through the launch process, they told me, oh, there'll be a book book tour in February. And I go, oh, my God, this is great. So I'm going around the country (laughs) um, being interviewed. And I was like, oh, no, no, um, we're just sending them an e-copy yearbook and and they'll review it. I was like, oh, okay. So... You know, I think they there was like 12 bloggers that they had given my debut novel Midday out to. And by the time it launched it, it had, you know, maybe 10 or so uh, positive reviews, which was great. Um, I've spoken at length, I guess, on this podcast about how I didn't enjoy the publishing deal I was in. And I fought my way out of it, took the rights back. And that's when I found Mark Dawson and did what is now known as the Launchpad course and became an independent author. So when when my next book came out, which was my hit, it was uh, Whatever Happened to Betsy Blake, I assumed doing a blog tour was, you know, par for the course. That's what we did. So I found a publicist who put me in touch with maybe another dozen bloggers and we got some uh, great reviews from it. But Oh, I'm gonna sound. I'm gonna sound sort of snobby now, or sort of up my arse. But an awful lot of the reviews, like I would say, ninety percent of them, I wasn't sharing them. There was no way yeah. I was going to share them because the reviews were were so poorly written. You know, bad grammar and bad spelling. Like they were they were thrown together. And an awful lot of these bloggers, and I'm not going to call anybody out. There's great bloggers, like authors. There's great bloggers. There's okay bloggers, and there's bad bloggers and I think if uh-huh. you're paying sort of $25 or something for your book to get 12 reviews I think I ended up in the latter category there because yeah. none of the reviews I wanted to share and then uh-huh. just this idea of okay well I don't need to share it I'll just grab the you know hyperbolic quote from it you know it was a pulsating read right I'm grabbing that and I'm put the five stars that you're giving it and I'm going to take that and use it in my marketing. But then, the blogger, I hope there isn't one called Mary's Book Reviews, right? But but that was the name of these bloggers, and I'm thinking, well, I can't put Pulsating Read Mary's 
blog website as the you know I just felt it was all it all seemed really rather cheap but then again it was cheap so I I'd only I'd only paid for a cheap one and got a cheap one mm-hmm. it, it, it's it, the positives I found are yes there'd probably be half a dozen or a dozen reviews on your book on Amazon on launch date that's great uh, another positive is I can take the you know hyperbolic superlatives that were describing my book and use them in my marketing great but I wanted bloggers who had legitimate sounding names is that am I I'm sounding like a bit no a, I know bit, I know what you're saying mate. you want it, you want it no not at all you want it to say like five star like uh, sensational five stars like the book club yeah. exactly um, you know, yes um what a read five stars uh books and more or something like that. Like you want it to yeah. sound like legitimate, yeah. um, almost like websites or companies. That's what you saw exactly. one. And I, I completely appreciate that. Exactly. And when, when it came to, uh, you know, putting a quote with just Mary's book reviews, I just thought it, it just sounds as cheap as I paid for it. So since then, I haven't done um, any blog tours. Now, uh, from the couple of blog tours that I've done, I picked up a few fans who are blog bloggers so they review my books when they come out anyway which I'm grateful for mm. but I I at this stage by the time my third and fourth books were coming out I didn't need six or seven reviews mm. on my books when they came out because like you Rob the reviews were just starting to, to come in anyway I'd already built up a little bit of a fan base so the positives which were you know one I'll have six or ten reviews when the book comes out I don't need that anymore and two, the, you know, pulling out the, the pull quotes to market. I had so many of them that I just didn't need them anymore. So blog tours is not something I've taken part in for about two and a half years now. Yeah. I think I think our, our experiences them are probably similar, but I totally understand your process now. You've got this whole new character, this new book, new genre. Uh, it's almost like a new brand for you or or a, a, a split of a brand because it's all going to be under your Robert Enright bl- brand, but this is just a new route for you. So bland. starting this off. <laughs> yeah. Robert Enright but bland. I don't know if that's going to work. Bland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not a good brand being called bland. But it makes sense now for you to give this a try and, and, and really figure out how blog tours can be beneficial for authors like you and I who are even selling thousands of books anyway. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's the thing. So we've we've touched on sort of the pros and cons. You you mentioned a few there, and I want to sort of link this into my thought process of why I'm going down a blog tour route when I'm have many books mm-hmm. into my career now with not not really doing them. And um, there's one there's one reason there you sort of spoke about where you, you get these good bloggers, and these bloggers will okay they'll have people who follow their blog right and probably hang off you know we, we've got people who listen to this podcast every week there'll be people who yeah. follow bloggers and read their every review um but then also those people there'll be people who probably don't read their blog but probably respect their opinion on books as well you kind of have like your core base then you kind of have a, a slightly further out base of followers yeah so they might not read the whole review but they might follow or they might always be interested in what this this particular blogger wants to say um and if, you know if the headline is what a read 
and then a picture of my cover, that could be reaching more and more and more people in a genre that I kind of, I, I'm not sat in that genre at the moment with my Sam Pope books. I'm very heavily into the action thriller genre. But another reason that kind of ties this in is where I'm at in my career is I've got 12, I've got a critically acclaimed 12 book series. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? That looks the tits, like yeah. all the branding and all that looks good. So yeah. then if it's, it's not just, oh, debut author Robert Enright has this action book one by one with this homemade cover, but it made me feel really good. This blog is now going to be international, you know, best-selling author of the Sam, critically acclaimed Sam Pope series is now yeah, writing a detective series. There. So yeah. I'm coming at this from a different way of, I'm, I'm saying I've already got a sh you know loads of really good books people can read, but I'm now going into this because I've nailed this genre. I'm now confident I can nail this genre. And I think that in itself will probably carry a bit of weight when people look at it. Um, yeah. Because again, it goes back to think, well, if he's written 12 books and they've all got thousands of reviews, must be good. He must be a good enough writer to, to, to go on that. So what's he yeah. going to do with this in the genre that I like? And then if these bloggers I like or follow or respect, they're saying it's really good. You know, fingers crossed they say it's good. I don't know. It hasn't come out. Yeah. But if they're saying it's really good, then right, cool. I'll give it a go. And then that's just, you know, pulling in a few more eyes towards my work. And then if they come in that, that you know, on that level, they come in at Jack Townsend 1. I mean, I've already got the cover of Jack Townsend 2 pretty much ready to go. I'll have that by the yeah. time I get back from my holiday, and I'm going to set up a pre-order for that so people know there's more to come. But if they're waiting for number two to come out, but then I've got 12 other books in another series that's you know really critically you know reviewed, they might go, hmm, maybe I'll try that. So there's that whole thought process. Now, one of the pros of it is you get these book reviews, but you also get... This is a pro and then it's also a con, right? Is that you also get these other features of interviews or Q&As or other things you can do online, giveaways. Yeah, giveaways are fine. You can give anything away. But do you know what I mean? These, it's the idea of you're now going to be put in front of a different audience, essentially. I, I probably wouldn't do a blog tour for book eight because people have probably heard all my answers yeah. before. But if I'm going into a yeah. new genre and I get an interview from a massive blogger in that genre who has 10,000 followers or whatever, and they say, tell us a bit about yourself. And I do, I don't know, a 10 question interview that they then post up on their blog along with their review. I have the opportunity there to sell myself. Do you know what I mean, as, as now a, a reasonably successful author to a whole new batch of people and then say, here you go, here's a book in your genre, give it a go. Your blogger liked it, like, because you're only going to get the post up of positive stuff. They're not going to post negative stuff for you because, believe it or not, most bloggers want to help authors. So I yeah. see that as a real big pro of what a blog tour I think could do. And again, I'm caveating by saying this is how I'm approaching it now. This It, it probably wouldn't have the same impact for... Like I said, an author who's only got one book with a cheap cover and not all the social proof probably wouldn't have the same expectations I'm carrying on yeah. this blog tour I'm doing. Because then the other side of that pro I just said about the interviews is the con of it is it's going to be very time intensive. 
Do you know what I mean? I'm going to have to either do these interviews or write out my answers or, you know, if they're asking for extra stuff to go with their reviews, I'm going to have to provide it all. Now, I have the time free to do that because I do this job. But, you know, if I was, you know, still had a full-time job, my family, and I'm trying to squeeze in some writing here and then, and suddenly I have to, you know, spend two hours this weekend doing all these interviews and stuff. It can be a bit time, you know, it's quite, and there's no guarantee that it's going to get you those sales or anything like that. Like, I'm not banking on this blog tour making me loads of sales. I just think yeah. it could expand the the reach of my new series in the eyes of readers. That's that's where I'm yeah. going with it. So I think there's, they said there's good pros to it, but there are some, some cons to it. And I think you touched on a really good one there, David. Um in your answer before I went on this big waffle, um, which you said, you know, you, you sort of get what you pay for, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah you're right. The, some, of the, some of the bloggers will look for a, a bit of a favor in return. So a couple of them were, you know, did, I'll review your book, but can you write a guest blog for me? So I was writing guest blogs on the art of the, you know, the the main character, the art of your protagonist. You know, I was writing these sort of things and I was going, oh, this is annoying because I used to get paid a couple of hundred pounds when I used to write an article for a newspaper and now I'm writing a yeah, great exactly. piece for a blog for free and I'm thinking, oh, do I want to put this much energy and time into, into this type of thing? But that's me. I'm, I'm a bit of a, a snobby freak and, and I consider myself a professional writer so I don't want to be writing for anybody for free. Um, but yeah, things like that can be part of it. And there's authors who love that. I think, oh, I would love to guest blog. Uh, uh, you know, that sounds mm-hmm. exciting for an awful lot of writers. And I totally understand that. It just wasn't for me at the time, given my experience, I think. But you're right. I, I don't think these reviews would make any difference to sales. It's certainly not. Uh, that wasn't my experience. That The reviews didn't lead towards any sales. An awful lot of the the blogs the websites looked a little bit you know very cheap wordpress sites and as i said the the reviews themselves have an awful lot of errors in them so much so that i I wouldn't share them and in fact i think we we definitely had at least one blogger on the last tour i did for whatever happened to betsy blake who definitely didn't even read the book and it was such a uh it was transparent in her review yeah you know it was very sort of um formulaic let's say her review and it, it could have been written for any book yeah. so I, I remember having a bit of an, a discussion with the publicist who had booked it and saying but she didn't even read the book you can tell it this and then I just got an email back saying oh yeah she's very sorry she just didn't have time I'm thinking wow um, so yeah, yeah, I don't want yeah exactly but I don't want our listeners to necessarily take my negative experience of book tours solely into consideration because by the time when Betsy became a hit off the bat as I already mentioned there I didn't need to have these Mm. six or seven reviews you know it it, doing the blog tour wasn't necessarily worth it for me but it could be worth it so much for so many authors and I've mentioned the publicists there so there are people who we are calling publicists who will organise these book, book tours for you so uh-huh. it can be one person who then has uh, a contact list that's really long with all these uh, book reviewers and they will say, okay, well, you're writing a psychological horror 
I'm going to send this out to these 12 bloggers yeah. because they specialize in that particular uh, subject or that genre. So I found a book publicist and she she did, as I just mentioned there, she said, okay, I'll send this out to these 12 bloggers. That's great. So that's how you can do that. And you can ask on our uh, to in the Authors Facebook page for bloggers or hit hints and tips for blog tours and how you can get in contact with them. And, and Rob and I will help you out. But um, Rob, how did you go about organizing this book tour for your uh, Jack Townsend novel? Um, basically, what you've just underlined there, I um, I reached out to my editor, Emma, because years ago she used to do book reviews and blogs. I remember, oh. I know she's obviously does her editing business, but um, so I said to her, I, I when I first started writing the book, I said to her, I think I might do a blog tour for this one for all the reasons I've just mentioned. And she actually agreed yeah. it would be a good idea. And I said, do you want to organize that for me? And she said she wasn't really in that game anymore, but she had the recommendation of like, what she said was like the, the, the best person to organize this for you. Ah, great. That, that she knew of. Um, she has like a, hundreds of bloggers or, um, you know, Instagram influencers or TikTok. Dep- it depends on your genre. But, you know, we said this before, your genre, your audience for your genre might not just exist solely on blogs on Facebook. It might be TikTok videos. It might be this, it might be that. And this uh, person, I'll put their name um, in the Facebook group if people want to to know. Her name's Anne Cater. I can give the website in the Facebook group if people uh, are interested right. in it. And I just reached out to her, said, this is what I wanted to do. This is the Lovely. book. This is that. And she's been wonderful to work with um, just with regards to, you know, giving me the dates it'll start from, what her plan is. Like um, she has like a few ca- um, requirements of like, can you give paperbacks? If not, that alienates a few potential bloggers things like that like she's very very professional um but it was yeah. just a case of reaching out um i'm pretty sure if you went onto any facebook um book group for whatever genre you're writing in and said does anyone know anyone who organizes blog tours you'll get a load of responses from yeah. people because a lot of them all swim in the same circles a lot of them share blogs between them and they're all in the same groups of your genre so like david said it, yeah. if you ask for help people will be able to find it um, but that's all I did. I I, I, I like to go by recommendation um, from mm-hmm. people who have worked with the person. So, um, yeah, that's what I did. I just got that recommendation, found our website, filled in the contact form and done it. So I'm, I'm very excited to see um, what could, what, what's the, are the possible with this blog tour? Um, yeah. Because I'm not, I'm not. I'm not banking on it for reviews. I'm not really banking on it for sales. I think I'm sort of banking on it for reach um, to kind of put the yeah. name Jack Townsend. I think it's got a striking cover. I think I've got the credibility of the author now that it could land with people, and by having voices that people listen to in that genre, potentially give it some reviews. I think it could really give it like a. A bit, put a bit of steam behind it to push it forward as I keep writing it. Absolutely. If you, if you, if one blogger writes Townsend is a character for the ages, then you're going fuck yeah. Here we go. I'm taking that quote, mm-hmm. and and then you're building social proof for the new Jack Townsend. Now, as you already said, you have all that social proof built up from your 
fantastic hit uh, of the Sam Pope series. But just to give Jack his own little bit of social proof, uh, if you that's get it. three or four quotes from these 12 reviews that you might get, well, then that's great to put in the blurb uh, on your Amazon sales page. And, and and you and I are often going on about um, how important and how pivotal yeah. that Amazon sales page is. So, yeah, I, I think my, my mistake... I think it's about four or five years ago now, Rob, is I think I took the cheap option on it. And mm-hmm. the publicist I had did know people, but it was all at the very sort of bottom rung of the ladder, if you know yeah. what I mean, in terms of, I, of bloggers. So I'll be fascinated to see how this goes for you over the next month. You, you know, I will I will just say there, um, you know, I, I am paying, you know, good money for this blog tour. So right, like, so yeah, like you sort of said there you sort of had an expectation of what you were paying for. Well, you probably didn't, but looking back on it retrospectively, you paid that much. You kind of got that. You got your money's worth. So yeah, yeah. When I look at what I'm paying, I'm hopefully expecting to get some high quality reviews that I can then, like you said, push into my marketing and give Townsend. I want Townsend to stand on his own two feet, not piggybacking off Sam Pope. And I think this is yeah. a a good way to to do that from the off. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes total sense. So that it makes sense. You're you're building a new, um, well, not only a character. You're building a whole new brand, really, in itself. Uh, mm-hmm. In, in itself, uh, Jack Townsend. So, it, it, so just to, to round this conversation off, in terms of how or why we would recommend uh, blog tours to our listeners if they're just starting out Rob it makes sense right because this is book number one I, I don't know if I'm going to sell anything uh, I, I don't know people in the Irish Independent like I do where I could get reviews and, and that would build up my social uh, presence or my my proof so if you're starting out it might make sense to pay a few pounds to get you know six or ten good reviews starting or uh-huh. if like Rob you're splitting so you're gone from another series and you're starting a new series and you're building a new brand it would make sense like Rob is doing over the next month to get some social proof for that brand so we probably me mainly have probably talked negatively over the last half an hour about uh, book tours honestly. or blog tours yeah honestly open just of my experience they haven't been great for me mm-hmm. but that's not to say Rob and I or the two in the authors as a brand would rule it out Rob is going back into this now to, to check it out and see how we can really make it work for a new brand that he's building. And I would recommend that to you too. If you're building something brand new, a blog tour, I wouldn't rule it out, but just be diligent, ask for some advice in our Facebook group and other Facebook groups about how you can find yourself on the best blog tour possible. It's mailbag, so you better get your questions ready. Your questions ready. It's mailbag, so you better get your questions ready. It's David B. Lyons. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, but oh, I you're think I You've written me if, if, if I'm, I love it. If I'm, if I'm correct, I believe that was me. My take on generic pink song number 10 um, because all of her songs sound the same um, but David it is of course time for the mailbag and this week's nice. question comes from Oliver Beckton um, short and sweet he's just said is there any point in me putting my da- name down on the lists to appear at book fairs um, uh-huh. what do you think David um, I would say to 
Oliver, that if you want to appear at book fairs and that floats your boat, then absolutely. Um, Mm -hmm. I would also say that if you want to appear at book fairs to sell books, it's mm, it's probably sort of by the by. You might stand Mm -hmm. at a stall and have a dozen people come up to you and sell three or four books as a result of that, whereas you could be sitting at home on the couch and sell 40 books by running a good Facebook ad. So it's not, I wouldn't go to a book fair thinking, oh, I might find my audience here. I don't, I don't think that's necessarily the, but what will happen, the experience you will, will have from a book fair, what you will do at a book fair is meet absolutely great people, great authors, to be a great atmosphere. And um, you'll have, you'll definitely have a great day out. So if, if yep. a great day out and, and, and sort of putting yourself in the author community is something that really floats your boat, Oliver, well, then I would recommend uh, book fairs for that reason alone. Uh, what about you, Rob? I agree with you. I'd say why not? Like if, if it's something you want to do, um, David's touched upon the financial side of it there. Um, I don't think you'd, you'd, you'd be like financially benefit there's any financial benefit really to doing them especially if you're an independent author and you have to pay for all the printing of the books or the travel or your booking of your table all that stuff um however we do speak about on this uh show from time to time uh about every now and then you have to have an ego rub uh, yeah, you have to do a few or three things that you only sort of get to do because you're an author yep. and one of them is sitting behind a table with books on it and people coming up to you either buying them or asking you about them and asking you to sign them. Um, yeah, there's no harm there. If, if financially it's not going to put a hole in your pocket and you want that experience. I had them when I was much earlier on in my career, uh, in the author career, probably when I was with a publisher. I've been behind tables at book fairs and you're right. They're a great day. They didn't make me any money, um, but you yeah. do come away from them thinking like, oh, you know, I signed books today and I spoke to people and people thought of me as an author, whereas you probably spend most of your time with people who know you as you and they know that you either trying to be or you are an author, you know, outside of the person they know, but you yeah. know, you appear at these things and just be an author. And, you know, sometimes that is a really, really, really good feeling. But again, try it and see for yourself. Rob, it's time for the seven questions and we've lined up another great guest to join us on the show this week. It's multi-genre novelist, Alice G. May. Alice, is it right? It's it's right to call you multi-genre novelist Uh, or writer? Yes. I guess it is. Yeah, I am. Um, I write in a, a number of areas. Um, initially, I started out with a um, auto fiction, which was like a fictionalized memoir. Um, that was back yeah. in 2016. Mm-hmm. It was The House That Sat Down. It's a trilogy and it was based around quite a, an interesting event in life where um, when most of our house actually fell down and um, oh. And our house insurance told us we weren't covered for the damage. And we ended up moving into a tent in the garden, my husband and I and four children. And we had no idea why the house had fallen down, no idea what to do about it. Um, And it was a bit of a mess, really. And so once Mm. we'd fixed that situation, I I wrote a book about it. And I didn't didn't actually intend, well, I didn't expect people to buy it, Um, but they did. Um, And I got quite a lot of really great feedback on it. So it ended up being a trilogy because Lovely. there were two more books about <laughs> what happened. Um, and yeah, so that really 
got me addicted to writing um, and made, made me want to make that transition from my career to full-time writing. Um, and now um, I also write non-fiction. Um, I've got a book on public speaking about how to build an author platform Great. using public speaking, uh, mainly aimed at novice speakers or nervous uh, public speakers. Right. And hmm. I also write non-fiction um, it's how to draw using art for self-care and well-being. Lovely. Well, that's aimed at primary school children. And I'm also writing uh, commercial fiction as well, although they're coming out, starting to come out next year. I've got five manuscripts that I'm hoping to bring oh, out every, every sort of six to nine months. Oh, wow. I, I would urge our uh, listeners to visit alicegmay.com. It is .com, isn't it, Alice? Yes, it is, yeah. Um, an absolute uh, a gift of creativity all over um, that website and particularly helpful with authors, as you said, with, with that um, book on, on public speaking because an awful lot of authors, um, Rob and I are an exception setting up a podcast, but we're so sort of insular authors as a breed that uh, public speaking can seem like a big big mountain to climb yeah and it was for me um which is why i sort of put the book together because i thought these are the things i wish i'd known when i was setting out to learn how to speak in public mm -hmm. so yeah so that's really why i put it together really so oh lovely yeah yeah we were reading rob and i were just talking about your website fantastic stuff uh, definitely one to visit for any creativity in any field really um yes. But I guess today's the biggest day of your career because you're facing the seven questions. It is, absolutely. Yeah, I'm so excited. This is great. <laughs> cool. I can't wait for this. This is going to be fascinating given your experience, Alice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will jump in with the first one. I will also say, um, obviously, our listeners can't see this, but uh, behind Alice in her office, there is a lot of wonderful pieces of artwork. So um, I'm going to vouch for that when it comes to how to draw for your mental health. You should definitely check out Alice's stuff because some of those pictures are fantastic. Yeah. Here, here. Um, Thank you. But we are here. We are here to do the seven questions. So I am going to hit you with the first one. And that is, are you a full time author? I call myself a full time writer. Um, I think there's sure. an element of imposter syndrome associated with the word author for me. Yeah, makes um, sense. Because it's something I've built myself. And um, yeah, I kind of find I feel more comfortable with the word writer. Um, mainly, I think, I guess, because uh, I don't feel qualified to be a writer. You know, I was qualified to do my original career. I was a GP practice manager and obviously yeah. earning quite a healthy salary. And then I've obviously in the intervening years since 2016, I've made that transition uh, into being a, a full-time writer. Um, and I did that via um, working out what I needed to earn in order to yeah. survive. Um, and then I'm, I transitioned from a full-time job to a part-time job as a school librarian <laughs> um, and learned to live on that lower income, but it was part-time librarian. So then I started building in various uh, freelance creative writing uh, income streams uh, and then about 14 months ago I made the leap to actually writing full-time um, and I, I really Great. love it you know? and it comes from all sorts of streams so yeah it's not just the books it, it's other things like magazine yeah. work and speaking work and you know I give I give creative writing courses illustration demonstrations lots of library events school events and I'm also a host for one of the on online writing platforms i'm in print the writing sphere um, oh nice 
which is great for writers, building confidence, getting them in contact with agents and things. Um, and also part of the team behind the Bristol Writing Festival. Oh, nice. Um, oh, and well. I to beta read as well. So, you know, lots of different streams. Great. So you, you've created so many creative different revenue streams, really, um, that, that suit everything that, that you're great at. It's And I love the steps you've taken to get that way in terms of bringing back your weight, salary. Like, there's so many, that's like hell for so many people to even consider that. Like me and Kerry both did that. We downsized our careers to start what we wanted to start. And I mean, I guess we're, 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 we're quite open and frank on this on this podcast. So I, I it's probably nothing wrong with saying this, but I cut back to earning sixteen thousand pounds a year that year, um, and I've since earned one hundred and sixty thousand pounds on my books. And I can tell you that there's absolutely no difference between earning such little money and such big money. It, it might be a, an older car and a slightly bigger apartment or a house. You know what I mean? But really, the lifestyle sort of doesn't make you use it. And I think that fear of oh, I'm earning forty grand a year. I don't want to go back to being a part time student or anything only earning 20 grand a year it really if you're brave you can make steps like that and that you're, you're proof of that alice yeah, um, you're thinking ahead as well um isn't it it's yeah. sort of thinking well i have control over this uh, yes. and making mm-hmm. sure that you stay in control of that as you make those changes um, exactly but also, yeah. ultimately it's being happy i mean i'd spent you know almost 50 years of my life doing stuff i didn't like yes and now yeah. i am so happy it's it's well worth it you know it's worth its weight in gold Perfect. yeah it really is. Yeah. Kerry has numbers on, I don't know what they are off the top of my head, but how miserable people are in their work. And it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's not really surprising, but it's still shocking at the same time. Um, question two, Alice then asks, it, it kind of takes a bit of a dive into the publishing world itself. We make the big decision whether to keep our eBooks in particular exclusive at Amazon or to go wide. Uh, question two asks, what decision you made? <laughs> well, I, I have uh, not gone wide. Um, I think about it often. Yeah. And I realise that I probably mm. maybe should go wide. Yeah. Um, but I'm really comfortable where I am at the moment and it works for me. So I kind of have stuck with what I'm familiar with. Uh, that might change. I don't know. Um, but I can't be bothered to fag with all the tech involved in going wide. Um, yeah. I'm, able to get, mm. I'm able to get the books in that I need to sell on. Um, people buy direct um the ebooks work the you know the page read works it it's just not an issue for me at the moment so great yeah i like that yeah, we're, we're in the really same good honest answer yeah it's 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 um it's it's a common answer but you know it, it's nice and it's quite refreshing when someone says you know I'm, I'm happy where i am quite comfortable doing what i am like i i think there's probably not a week that goes by that i don't like pick david's brain about oh maybe i should go wide and then you know i think oh why would i turn off a tap that's like doing well yeah, for me at the um, moment try and do something else um but yeah, no i think if, that's it, a, if it's a, not broken really if it's not it's not broken don't fix yeah. it really i kind of think yeah. so Love it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we've got the first two questions. This is where we start diving a little deeper into the decisions uh, you've made. Um, and as the, this has been an interesting one because although you're an indie writer, that's what you're a full-time writer and you're independent doing it, obviously writing's not just your only revenue stream. So in your whole business, name the one service you use that you couldn't do without. 
Oh, um, uh, so that is a difficult one. Um, but I would say, you mean software sort of, uh, what sort of software? Do software or paid for service or, so when I, I, I um, had, um, when I did this, uh, Canva. Yeah. So oh, Canva, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great answer. Yeah, uh, mainly because it, 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 it um, intersects with everything that I do. Um, yeah. because obviously with the artwork it's very good but also with the writing with all the sort of marketing and I mean I do do some of my own covers as well more than non-fiction than the fiction um, I know it's worth you know paying out for covers and I, I will do that for the fiction that's coming out next year but um, the non-fiction covers are a lot easier to do yeah um, and a lot easier to hit the right note with um, and also for social media it, it's really good um, but there is so much out there also that you obviously with Canva, you can use the free or you can pay for it. Um, and even the free service offers you a lot. Um, but there's a lot of other stuff out there that's free, like reads these brilliant layouts. If you can't afford to, to pay to get a layout done professionally, you know, you can get a really good basic layout for a, a text textbook. Um, yeah, Scrivener is really good as well. But as I say, you, you have to pay for that, don't you? So. Um, I guess yeah. you have to make the decisions based on what your income stream are. So, yeah, they're great answers. They really are two great pieces of software that really help out the independent creative. Uh, shall we say? I still need to get on Canva. Actually, so many people, so many people recommend it for me. I um, can't believe you don't use Canva. <laughs> well, I, I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't say this out loud. Kerry's uh, on the floor above me, but she's a world class designer. So I don't. I won't say yet more than that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I get that. <laughs> yeah. Question question four um, will probably be a diverse answer for you, Alice, given that you, you write uh, a diverse sort of range in terms of genres. But how do you market your books? Um, well, I obviously do the usual. I do the sort of Facebook ads and I do all of the sort of social media side of things um, and blog tours. I really quite enjoy blog tours. They're great fun. Oh, great. Um, We've just been talking about them. Yeah, I mean, I have to admit, I don't necessarily see a massive spike in book sales through the blog tours, yeah. but, but you always get reviews um, and the reviews count with the algorithm. So it's yeah. really, really worth um, doing that. And of course, then you can use quotes from your reviews in your marketing. Yes. So yeah. you, know, you pop it onto Canva with a picture and whack, there you are, yeah. right the way across your social medias. But for me, the real sales come through speaking. Um, and I ah. speak probably two, three, four times a month to different groups. Fascinating. Um, okay. Which, which is great fun. But I get paid to speak. I get my expenses, my, like my mileage and my travel um, as well paid for. Um, I often get fed when I'm speaking as well, which is great. Right. Um, you know, whether okay. it's a cup of tea, a cake or a glass of wine and a meal, that, that's lovely too. Yeah. Um, but I think from a point of view of, of sales, I am speaking to uh to my readers so yeah. the groups mm -hmm. that i speak to are very often wi groups they're probus groups they're um you know round table that that sort of uh social group and my yeah. main demographic for both the memoir and for the commercial fiction is the sort of over 45s over 50s uh, so it's a more mature market that don't tend to be on tiktok so i'm not going to reach them by spending hours yeah. on tiktok uh, and that's not just for the books as well. That's for the artwork, for the cards, for, you know, all of that side of things. Yeah. Um, but added to that, they are also the main demographic who are going to buy for my primary children, primary school children's books. So I'm actually hitting both sweet spots at the same time because 
a lot of the people that I'm speaking to are the parents or grandparents of the children who will enjoy my children's books. So that I can sell both books to the, the, the one demographic, which, which is great. Interesting. Um, so I would recommend anyone to be out speaking. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you, you say you're selling all these books. You're also probably selling your your um, book for authors, beginning to speak your um, speaking book for authors to speak at events, um, because they'll be listening to your answer then, thinking, "Oh, I should do that, but I don't feel comfortable doing it." So they should definitely go to your website. Really and check good it out. idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, um, <laughs> and also, it's it, as I say, it's it's a really scary thing to do. The first one I did, yeah. I was absolutely terrified. And I was stood there thinking, why am I doing this? You know, this is insane. I, my stress <laughs> levels are through the roof. Uh, but by the end of uh, 45 minutes talking to these people, and, it, I, you know, I hadn't even put a really good talk together. I, you know, I was just sort yeah. of talking and showing pictures and whatnot. But by the end of that talk, uh, I mean, there were about, I was expecting about 20 people to be there and I had 110. Nice. Um, which was a real nice. shock as well. So I'm stood there with my knees knocking, thinking, oh, my goodness. Uh, but they, you know, the queue went out of the room and down the corridor of people wanting to speak to me, to buy my book and to buy my my cards and my artwork. So, I mean, it's a no brainer, really. If you can hit yeah. hit that sweet spot and actually, you know, um, get into the writing circuit, then if you put a good talk together, you will be recommended on from these groups. Mm. Um, and that's what I talk about in the book. So, um yeah, well, I'll tell people again to go check check your website out for that book. And uh, it made question five quite a fascinating one because you said sort of the premise of that book was the things you wish you knew when you started doing your public speaking. Well, yeah. question number five is what's the one thing you know now in your whole indie author, indie creative career that you wish you knew from the outset? Uh, okay, that's a really good question. Really good question. I had to, had, to really, had to really think about that one. But I think I wish I'd known that you can't please everyone and you don't have to. Yeah. I think mm. it's important, actually, you shouldn't try to please everybody. You know, it's really important that you actually please yourself. Um, and, and so you write the book that you want to read. So uh, because you're putting your artwork out there whether it's a book or a you know a painting or whatever you will get comments on it you will get criticism because that's what happens particularly with books because it's so easy to pop a review on amazon really quickly about you know your impulse reaction to something yeah um and your readers are out there so you've got to you've got to write your book your way um in order to find them it's a bit like that field of dreams thing you know if you build it they will yeah. come you know, so I kind yeah. of think you write your book, you find your clan and you build your readership. Uh, now, whether that happens quickly or slowly, you know, you've just got to be patient, um, but it will work. And, and I guess that that's what I wish I'd known back at the very beginning. You know, there's a lot of advice out there about how you should do it. But I think you should reframe that and think about how you could do it and then make an active choice as to how you want to do it. Um, and that that really, yeah. That was my response to that question. So, yeah, but that, that's pretty perfect. I, I think my uh, screen might have popped off, but I, I was I was listening keenly to you there, uh, Alice. Thanks very much. Um, sorry for disappearing. Um, so, so given your experience, question six is also be interesting. You're a really fascinating subject for this uh, feature. Uh, what's the biggest frustration for you as an independent author? My 
biggest frustration is that dismissive attitude that you get when people go, oh, it's only self-published. Mm. Um, I mean, there's so yeah. much snobbery wrapped up in that and, and it is highly offensive. You know, you, there are some fantastic indie authors out there, you know, and so much work goes into yeah. it and so much professionalism goes into it these days, you know, and I just, uh -huh. I mean, yeah. you get badly written self-published books. Absolutely. I know that, you know, um, but you also get badly written traditionally published books. You know, sometimes you buy something and yeah. it's from one of the big fives and you think, how the hell did this get through, you know? But it takes all sorts, and there are readers out there for all sorts of things. So, it, yeah, my biggest frustration is that prejudgment, really, and, and trying to get past that and carry on anyway. Yeah, so. I think it's, 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 it's a well felt by most of the indie author community. We've had a number of people who, who feel the same way. I personally feel that snobbery is going a bit when you see some of the successes like we talk about all the time some of the massive hitters like lj ross and mark dawson have knocked down so many doors for independent authors um and you could you know some like you said there's some who are doing it really well and there are still some that basically fall into the sort of the cliche self-publishing. So we always champion, make yourself as indistinguishable as possible from say, nor traditionally published authors. Um, but yeah, I agree with the frustration, but it brings you through to question number seven, Alice. Um, it's been wonderful to talk to you. And obviously you have a whole book mm -hmm on advice for authors when it comes to speaking. But in regards to these seven questions, what is the one piece of advice you would pass on to our listeners? Um, I think it's vital to believe in yourself. Um, I mean, I having put out the first three books, not expecting anyone to buy them and then being quite shocked um, and then deciding to make this whole journey, I spent a lot of the pandemic, um, I mean, I was this part-time school librarian at the time, so I spent a lot of the time not furloughed, sending out parcels of books to children and then running reading and creative writing and uh, illustration courses online with the school children and looking after key workers' kids in school. But at the same time, in what spare time I had, I was doing writing courses because I thought, if I'm gonna do this, I want to do it properly. Um, so I, I needed to know that what I was putting out was going to be good, of good quality, so that I could stand by it when that yeah. criticism came in and, you know, people gave me that sort of, yeah, you're only self-published attitude. Um, but I like to get things right, you see. So as I say, I mentioned imposter syndrome. The fact that I didn't have an A-level, English A-level or a, a creative writing degree, I was undermining myself. Um, how dare I call myself a writer? You know, that, that sort of attitude. So I did lots of courses and I yeah. genuinely think courses are great. You know, it's always good to learn about what you want to do and to grow. But my piece of advice yeah. would be that it's important also to believe in you and your characters and your story, because ultimately they've got to survive the editing process. And I think editing is brilliant. It's really, really important but you need to handle it the right way. So you need to get obviously editing reports maybe and beta reading reports, but you have to grow quite a thick skin um, and let people's comments in. Um, you know, even if it's critical, hopefully it's constructive criticism, but then you use that wisely in order to improve your story. Whereas when I was doing it at the start, I was treating the editing process a bit like handing in my homework 
and I wanted an A star, yeah. and I was never going to get an A star because I was paying for a prof- uh, paying professionals for their advice, and they gave it to me, mm-hmm. and it wasn't always what I wanted to hear. Um, and then I was going back and kind of yeah. like deconstructing my story and trying to make it fit what they'd said, but it was more of a knee jerk reaction rather than sitting with the comments and sitting with the advice and thinking about it and working out which bits of that advice actually would give me a much more powerful story. Um, And I think that's the important thing. Um, You mustn't change something just because someone tells you you should. You need to think about it and understand how that will work within your story and then decide whether that's what you want to do. Um, Ultimately, it's it's kind of believing in yourself and being true to the story and the rest should come. Yeah, it's so key, belief in yourself. Uh, we did talk about earlier how sort of isolating uh, being an author can be. And and sometimes you're, you can get to a point where you're second guessing everything that, you you know, any creative can, uh, that imposter syndrome uh, really can creep in. But you, you sort of write and you create art because you know you sort of have it in you. It's just a matter of pushing that belief. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a great point you make. Alice, anybody wants to hear more from Alice G. May, it's alicegmay.com. Her book on public speaking is aimed at helping authors specifically, isn't it, Alice? Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah it is. We'll have to check that out. Alice, thank you so much for giving us your time here today. We really appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's been an absolute delight to meet you both. To absolutely delightful to talk to alice there about her in the author journey david don't you agree yeah yeah fantastic again great answers uh just a really lovely person doing, doing the very very best with, with her talents and um, we wish mm-hmm. alice all the best uh, it's, it's fantastic um just to have these guests on every week rob and getting this these diverse answers from the same questions uh, in fact next week do you, do you want to let our listeners into a little secret here. Next week is episode 52, which means we're celebrating a year. So you and I, Rob, we're going to be talking about our favorite um, guests that we've had on for the seven questions. And we're also going to be talking about perhaps our best mailbag questions and indeed our best main talking points for next week's episode. We are indeed. I think it's uh, it's always good to look back. Um, you know, we're, you know, when we, we spoke about doing this 18 months ago, two years ago, who'd have thought we'd be, you know, celebrating a one year anniversary of the podcast. And, you know, we're into five figures of um, listeners this year. And, you know, it's, it's been an incredible year um, driven by our incredible listeners. And I just thought, you know, we do these little wrap ups at the end of the show to talk about, um, you know, how great it was when we've had guests on and when we've had our seven questions, just for us to maybe just pick out some, some fascinating conversations we've had. And you and I just talk about, you know, which ones really stood out. And also, just as a little teaser, I mentioned it a few weeks back, we do have a small announcement uh, for uh, next week's show, uh, which I think will get all of our listeners quite excited. Um, And just as a little teaser to that, you'll find out why it's important that you should be coming on to our show to answer the seven questions. However, David, I'm technically on holiday when this um, episode comes out, so I should probably get back to my sun lounger. So thank you very much for uh, joining me today and a massive thank you to our listeners because they've been listening to...
Chilling windy.